now. Surrender me now. What is that? Doctor gave me a relaxation cassette. When my blood pressure gets too high, the man on the tape tells me to say, Surrender me now. At the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. You Hello, welcome to the Kentucky Dad Podcast brought to you by SB Nation, the Sea of Blue. Big Blue Drew here. Really excited for this one. Took a couple weeks off. If you haven't listened to the last one, um, please check that out with Steve Rummage from ESPN 680. It was awesome. We had a great time. He's a good dad, good dude to know. Um, so if you're listening, Steve, thank you for doing that. We had a great time. But today I have a very random guest um, that at the same time has so much correlation to the Kentucky Dad podcast and even Kentucky basketball. To be honest, I just kind of found this guy. I think my brother liked his tweet. I clicked on his profile and just immediately I was like just a tailor-made guest for the um the dad pod for many reasons which we're going to dive into but i have um so he's an author and i'm gonna kind of let him get into his background more but john finkel is joining us today on the dad podcast john thank you so much for coming on this um this evening thank you for having me i'm excited yeah good stuff so again i know you've uh, so you've written several books um, and just correct me on anything that, um, you know, I might mess up on going through here. But um, a lot of them centered around sports, specifically basketball. Many of them I know, particularly I want to read a book. I know you've written um, um, about the presidents and kind of their athleticism and things right on my alley. Love history, love sports. But and then so we link up. I invite you on the podcast and come to find out you have a book released in early this month that actually details the 1996 Kentucky Wildcats. So. Please, man, just walk us through your kind of journey as an author and then definitely um, tell us about your most, you know, your upcoming project, the newest thing. Yeah, sure. The, uh, the, the sports, the, the way I used to kind of get into what I would write, it was, it was like a dude books, dad books, sports kind of thing, right? So it's like, that was kind of always my wheelhouse. I, I started out uh, briefly of kind of the 30 second bio version I used to write for um, muscle and fitness and men's fitness and men's health. So it had men's or health or fitness in it. That's what I, that's what I did in my early 20s or for Yahoo Sports for, for a long time for their, the post-game website, which is kind of their answer to Grantland. And uh, along the way of writing through all those magazines, I had columns in GQ and occasional features in, you know, some bigger magazines uh, and cover stories and stuff like that. But I'd always had my eye on, on writing books. And actually the first kind of break that I got was writing a series of, of kids' books for the American Library Association. It was 12 books in the series called Greatest Stars in the NBA. And they were books on Shaq and Kobe and Iverson and Tim Duncan and, and Kevin Garnett and all the big names back in the early 2000s. Um, in fact, one of the last books we did was like the, uh, the future, future All-Stars book, which was the, you know, the 03 draft class with, um, oh, okay. with LeBron and all those guys. So that was kind of how I got my start in books. And, and the first kind of mainstream uh, book that I got going was the, uh, I did a book with Nate Robinson, the three-time NBA dunk champion. Um, wow, I did a few okay. articles with him at Yahoo Sports. And then uh, we kind of hit it off and got along and kind of became friendly. And I said, man, it's about time you wrote a book. And, and he had that amazing streak um, in like the 2012 playoffs where he uh, basically took on, you know, LeBron, took on um, the Nets that year. He was like the player of the week. Uh, and he was unbelievable. And so we did a book after that. And that was my first basketball book. Neat. Yeah, no. So we'll, we'll definitely link all your stuff when we post the podcast. Cause I know um, just again, you're like the correlation with you and the dad podcast and obviously me being in Kentucky and just this basketball hungry zone and kind of region of the United States. So there will be a lot of stuff that we're going to touch on. Um, but first man, so we always start with TV dads. I know you've probably never listened to the podcast. So we do TV dads first and um, I'll, I'll let you go first. Who did you bring as your um, like kind of favorite TV or movie dad? You know, it's funny. I was thinking about it. Um, 
when I've had this conversation, so as you know, for, for your listeners, like I, I've uh, worked with the life of dad, which I'm sure you've come across and all your dad stuff. And um, <clears throat> we used to do a question at the end of ours called the fast five. And it was for, you know, every dad who came on, it was the same thing. What was your favorite family movie? What was your favorite stuff? And I remember one of my favorite uh, discussions that I had uh, was one of my favorite movie dads is Harry Stamper from Armageddon. And, oh, good one. And the reason I've always felt this way is because number one, he saves the world. Right. So he's the dad who saved the world at the end of the day. Like when you're ranking dads, like the dads have done a lot of cool stuff, but like he's the dad who saved the world. If you're, if you're, if you're Harry Stamper, number two, like he raises his daughter on his own, the wife takes off and he's got like this brilliant daughter who speaks Japanese and he's like an executive at his company. And then he's also like the cool dad who's like mentoring all these young dudes and the, the Ben Affleck character and, and, you know, Steve Buscemi character and Michael Clark Duncan, and all these guys. So he's got like, he's got like the man cool stuff down. He's working on an oil rig kind of a tough guy raises his daughter and also saves the world so for me it's harry stan man knocked it out of the park with that one. and you you had you had told me that it was kind of a you know not a not a typical one like we might hear though <laughs> that was well done i think it's like it's somebody probably everyone knows but at the same time i don't think they'll ever get mentioned again and you kind of had to dig deep and you you made some great points he was he was kind of a, a kick-ass cool dude still got me oh yeah i got you all right, cool. Um, all right, mine, I'm going to go next then. So mine was pretty straightforward. Obviously, I did, um, I don't know, hopefully you could hear that to start. Um, but Frank Costanza, and it, it was very easy for a few reasons. One, great TV dad. I don't know why we've never mentioned him. He has several, um, I might have done him for King of the Queens, though, actually. But anyway, I brought that up because 1996, man, Seinfeld was popping in 96. I actually Googled, um, like, what were the top rated are uh, the top sitcoms in the year 1996 and I thought Seinfeld would be number one it was not do you know what was number one John number one sitcom in 96 uh yeah they, I just googled sitcom so I guess it would classify as a sitcom I mean for me it was, it was it was Seinfeld Friends was probably killing it back then I'd imagine it was one of those two but if it's not I'd be surprised what do you got ER Oh, that was more of a drama. I'd put yeah, that in the drama. Know, that was probably the number one show. What, what actually uh, – that'd be a good question. I wonder what actually um, – what's the definition of a true TV sitcom? So a sitcom is a, uh, it's a situation comedy, right? So it's where uh, typically it's half hour and the show is centered around, uh, you know, the comedic aspects where, you know, the joke is – because I used to work for, for Comedy Central a long time ago. So the joke with sitcoms is – Everything happens and then comedy ensues. If that's the uh, general uh, ethos of the show, uh, then that is a sitcom. So there you I go. like that. That was, a, that was a great explanation, actually, because I was just thinking, yeah, because ER, I mean, obviously I watch it, but it didn't have any, like, you know, even drama sometimes have a little uh, comedic relief. I don't remember any in ER. So, yeah, I know I Googled TV sitcoms, but obviously some of those didn't uh, make it. Suddenly Susan, though, uh, was actually third. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, there was some uh crazy shows around there i, I would have thought uh, i'm trying to think like 96 that was like key like key friends key seinfeld larry sanders might have still been on hbo or maybe just come off the air at that point but yeah and then you know obviously like simpsons was still on and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so who knows it was such a good year and i'm not just like sucking up because you're on that's like my year for for the obvious reason of i was born in 87 so 96 you know i'm basically you know nine years old watching that team go through the run, best basketball, best college basketball team ever, in my opinion, which I'm going to ask you about that a little bit later. But good place to start, man. Just tell us about the, um, the upcoming board, the new book that just released, um, 1996, and just kind of how Kentucky fits in. And um, I know I've, I've listened to a few of your videos just talk about how it was a passion project for you. So just let us know about uh, the new book. 
Yeah, I had, uh, I've been planning to write this book for at least like, I mean, the first ideas probably came into my head like maybe eight or nine years ago. And then I really started thinking about five years ago that the 25th anniversary of 96, which is for me, I'm, I'm older than you. That was the year I graduated high school. Um, but for me, it was like the quintessential sports year. Whenever I think back on and all the other books I've read, like and all the other books that, I, that I've written, um, the year keeps coming up, at least in my own personal world. I wrote Charlie Ward's biography, who you know, won the Heisman Trophy, played for the Knicks, the NBA Finals. And that Finals that he ended up playing in, it was like, you know, Michael Jordan wasn't around. He was gone, but then he came back in 96. And then I did this book called Hoops Heist on the Seattle Supersonics. And the year they went to the Finals was actually in 96 when they played the Bulls. So I had all these little kind of linchpin things that were, you know, drawing me back to it. But, but really, when I, when I started researching the idea, at first it was maybe do something on like the decade of the 90s. But then as I started getting into researching the decade, I realized like 1996 is the year where everything before 96 in the sports world was different than everything after. So like 1995, if you were a diehard sports fan in 1995, you were living in a world where you were not talking about Kobe Bryant or Allen Iverson or Tiger Woods. Mike Tyson was basically in jail, so his career was over. So there was no Tyson Holyfield. There was no WNBA. There was no MLS. There was no on the sports movie side. There was no Happy Gilmore. There was no Space Jam. There was no Jerry Maguire. There was no Kingpin. So like when it comes to pro wrestling, you know, there was no The Rock. There was no Stone Cold. Like all of these things that became absolute icons from everything in 96 beyond. The Bulls, obviously Kentucky with Tino finally winning. None of that existed. These, these things didn't happen uh, in the 1995, you know, the, the pre-96 world. So all of it, when you look back, 96 was a, was a giant, giant, like, stepping stone for, the, for really for the history of sports to now. Yeah, I don't even want to live in the world pre-96 now that you detail that <laughs> stuff. And it's like, and I still feel like there's such a wide age range that all that pop culture stuff, I feel like, intertwines with guys, particularly so much, even still. Because like you mentioned, you graduated high school in 96. I was 05. And I would even venture to say, you know, even getting a little out of there, like we all still are going to bro out about Stone Cold and, you know, things, yeah. things of that nature. So you're right. There was just a, it was just a lot happening then. But then, tell, so I know there's a chapter in the book specifically about um, the 96 Wildcats and a former guest of ours, uh, Tony Delk, who was one of the very first guests on the Dad podcast. So, um, you know, again, in my opinion, the best college basketball team ever assembled. I don't know if you addressed that in the chapter or not, but tell us about, um, you know, kind of the research you went through doing that and uh, anything new you learned, whatever. Yeah, I went through um, the year, obviously. So you can't do, you know, as you're going through the year, you have to look at the, the high points. And I did the, the reason I named the book 1996, a biography, is because I really wanted to do it as a, a biography of the year. So it's in chronological order and it opens with, you know, um, the New Year's Day football games with, you know, Florida and Nebraska and Florida State and all these teams and really the teams of the decade, like duking it out right into like Magic Johnson's comeback, which people forgot was that year and the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl and all this stuff. And obviously, eventually you get to the NCAA tournament and you get to Kentucky. And one of the things that I found really interesting uh, when I was researching it is the idea that like people look at Kentucky now, Calipari now with all these NBA guys and all this stuff going on. And I remember even as I was like, you know, I did the book mostly in chronological order from a research perspective. So I wasn't like, if I came across something, I jotted it down, but I'm, you know, in newspaper archives, magazine archives, interviewing a bunch of athletes going through all this stuff. And as I'm going through all this stuff, I'm thinking like when I got to this chapter, started putting my notes together, 
I was like, you know, I think he had more NBA guys in 96 than Calipari's ever had on any of his teams. And I was actually right. That 96 team has like nine NBA guys on it. Uh, It's really unbelievable. And you mentioned, you know, Tony Delk. Always loved Tony Delk. Awesome score. I'm I'm from Boston, so I'm a Celtics fan. So he had a little bit of time in Boston. But I'm a, you know, Antoine Walker guy through and through. That was like the first version of the Celtics with Pierce and Antoine Walker and all those guys was my first, like, you know, growing up, I had the Bird, Mikhail, Parrish team, but I was I was really little when those guys were really and good. Rondo too, man. I'm I'm the same age as Rondo, so I it, yeah. Man, you'll, you'll see me on Twitter a couple times a year. Um, we I'm I pound the Rondo drum as hard as I can beat it. Yeah. So all those guys, man. Like when you look at it, but from, specifically from the '96 team, it's like you know Walter McCarty. Like for me as a Celtics fan, half of these guys play with <laughs> play with the Celtics yeah. anyway, so they were cool. Ron Mercer. Another guy, right? So, yep. and then obviously the, for me, again, the Patino tie-in of coming to coach the Celtics. So all the chapters are personal uh, in this book because I lived through them. But in this particular one, it felt like every time I turned around, I was like, there's another Celtics tie-in from, from my teams that I, that I liked. Um, but from the standpoint of, of Kentucky, uh, you know, they were just absolutely so dominant that year. And nobody knew how many NBA guys they, NBA guys they had at that time. And nobody knew how good – you know, um, some of these guys were actually going to end up being when they got to the NBA. But for a college team, um, they were like an all-star team. When you look across uh, college basketball that year, most of the other teams that were really good uh, were like led by a superstar. You know, there was obviously Iverson with Georgetown and Marbury and Georgia Tech. And Camby was unbelievable with UMass. And then you had, you know, John Wallace over at Syracuse. You had all these teams that were really centered by like one anchor point. And then you had this Kentucky team where it was kind of like they, they shouldn't lose a game, right? And, of course, you know, they did. And then, you know, Patino used it like every coach would to, right. well, we needed that loss to show us that blah, 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 right? But, like, they really shouldn't have lost that game. Anyway, so as I was reaching the chapter, just the dominance they had, and then I didn't realize how close, um, you know, the final game was that year for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny too. I'm sure you kind of stumbled upon or probably already knew, you know, remembered a little the Calipari correlation and how good they were in 96 yeah. at UMass. So that was funny too. I'm just reading through 96 stuff. Now I just can't get over it. I don't know. You might have mentioned it, but if not, we skipped over. I don't know. The Summer Olympics being in Georgia, in Atlanta, Georgia that year, yep. which is just, you know, a mon- as big as it gets from a sports standpoint. So it's just, it really was just a um, MLS made its debut in the U.S. Like, Yep. I got a chapter out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll run through real quick. So it's, it's, it's like Spurrier, Bowden, Osborne the, with, with, with Florida, Nebraska, and Florida State that, you know, winning the titles that year. You had the Cowboys win their third Super Bowl. Magic Johnson makes his comeback. Ken Griffey Jr., biggest star in sports behind Michael Jordan at the time. People are kind of down on baseball now, but they, they kind of have to recognize that back then in the mid-90s, it was Jordan and Griffey and then kind of everybody else. Uh, he signed the biggest contract in baseball history at the time. Happy Gilmore comes out. Iverson has, you know, an incredible tournament, becomes the number one overall pick, and obviously everybody knows how he became. And I actually titled the, the Kentucky chapter uh, Patino's Bombinos. That was actually the nickname uh, that he was given at Providence because he was incredibly like the first coach to really understand the value of the three-point shot in college, and he made those guys take it a ton. But, yeah, MLS started, WNBA started, Stone Cold makes his WWE debut. Uh, the Bulls obviously had their last dance season, but, you know, win 72 games in the championship. But I actually flipped it on that chapter and, and wrote about all the, all the losses they had since everybody else had already covered everything else. Um, Shaq goes to the Lakers. 
Then you've got Kingpin comes out, the Kobe draft class. Gresky signs with the Rangers. Venus Williams, for the very first time, plays Steffi Graf, who was at the time the greatest tennis player of all time. And then Venus and Serena took on, and Serena was in the stands for that. And, yeah, what you said, you know, you have Ali, Light of the Flame in Atlanta. Michael Johnson winning the gold medal. Dream right. Team 3, Kerry Strug. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Yes, keep, it keep does. Going. It really yeah. does. Well, I love how you go through the, like, the timeline of that in the movie Kingpin gets, like, sandwiched in between Jordan winning the title and Shaq going to the Lakers. Like, I love it. Because I feel like it's deserving of that spot. Yeah, I wanted to make it, like, when I first was, you know, when you pitch these books, you're, you're talking, you first you're yourself, then you're talking to your agent, then the publishers, everybody has a sort of a say in it. And I really, you know, there were some people early on in the process, this is, you know, two or three years ago, like, well, what you should do is it's one sports book and then one pop culture book and then maybe a music. And I was like, no, the, the book has to capture the year. And that year, people have to understand how incredible it was. I mean, it was like the, the Cowboys won the Super Bowl on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, the biggest, probably star-studded football team we've had in a long time. Michael Irvin, you know, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Deion Sanders. Two days later, Magic Johnson makes his comeback, right, in the NBA. And it's like you had two of the three biggest nights of television of the year with two of the, you know, two of the biggest, you know, iconic brands, Magic being a branded and an athlete, happening just randomly. And then that just rolls right into Griffey and all this other stuff. And Happy Gilmore comes out. All that stuff happened. It was still February. Wow, that is crazy. And this, yeah, just too, I just wrote that down just to think that it was like Yankees, Cowboys, Bulls, like just, you know, captures as much of the nation's kind of attention on professional sports as possible. Oh, I know. You know, and the joke is like, you're a little young for it, but like, it had, you had all these bandwagon fans. I remember growing up, you know, I, I was pretty diehard all my Boston teams, but I, we moved to New Jersey like my, my freshman year, early 90s in high school and I just remember I all my friends so many friends were like what are you a fan of and it was like oh Cowboys Bulls Yankees and it's like oh that's convenient really yeah. good really way to ride out the tough times with your hometown team yeah what starter coats did you own I'm sure you had a couple starters yeah. oh dude well I had the uh I had the Charlotte Hornets which I, I think was like I don't think you were even allowed in school where I was if you didn't have either the Hornets or the Orlando Magic back then those are my two that was Rex then was Rex there when you were going through the Magic stuff uh, or the, uh, the was, no I think no he well, he might have been playing there yeah he may have been playing there he may have moved on to tell, yeah. the Heat or something like that but yeah that, those were like just the the two that everybody had then um my brother randomly had a Buffalo Bills one that I remember we kind of shared. <laughs> everyone had a random if that's a, this is what I was just talking about dude between like the you know, the, I guess pretty much millennials, is, you know, even extending a little out and a little past, they just like have those random connections. And I would say starter jackets is one of them. And it's, I mean, it's about, probably about as 96 as it gets. Yeah, that, the funny part about was with, with the starter jackets came out, like everybody, there was a couple that sort of, you know, had the cachet that like everybody has to have, right? It's like the, the two that I just mentioned, the Bulls were obviously huge. It was mostly basketball. I don't remember too many. And then um, when I was in, for where I grew up in the Northeast for college, uh, Syracuse was huge. Like everybody had Syracuse stuff. And then I went to school when I went to, when I went to college, um, Georgetown was also a really big one to have, obviously mostly because of, you know, with Iverson, but even before that, um, Ewing yeah, their, made their gear was like cool. kind of like Raiders gear for college. I feel oh, like it was just so time. tight. I mean, they had the small gray with yeah. the like it just always looked cool. And Iverson made it look even cooler. So you saw a lot of. For me, it's weird growing up where I did in the Northeast. Like Big East basketball was like the second or third most important thing going on all the time. You know, with Syracuse 
and Villanova and the St. St. John's and, and all these teams. And it was just awesome. And so they really had sort of an outsized you know, share of the market. Good stuff, man. Yeah, was a, whew, what a year. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. We got John Finkel, Kentucky Dad Podcast. He's wrote several books, most recently, um, 1996, a biography, including um, a cool chapter about the National Champion University of Kentucky Wildcats. But, John, man, we got to keep rolling through. We have a couple of regular questions or kind of small segments we do. So one of them is um, we'll keep moving here. So third, uh, no, tonight's Wednesday. We did a Wednesday night, so kind of late. Almost, probably didn't get started about 9 o'clock. So the question is, what did you, the family, what did you all do for dinner? Uh, dinner tonight was uh, – it would be, so we have a – it's like a 98 degrees here in Florida. So we ended up having uh, all the neighborhood kids just randomly were in our pool. I shouldn't even say randomly now. Pretty much just happened. Most of the people right. in our neighborhood have pools in Florida. Uh, they just happen to like kind of – they roam around like bees. They just swarm and swarm, right? And so they had, we had like seven or eight of them in our pool in the backyard. And they just, you know, sunny forever here. So all of a sudden they're having fruit snacks and they're having watermelon. Mm-hmm. And then I'm bringing out, you know, uh, Nutri-Grain bars. And it's like not meals at all. And sure. so I'm like, make, I just made myself a, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich while they were doing all that. My wife's like doing some, some, from, uh, some work. And then uh, all of a sudden it's like 7.30. And of course the kids comes in, every parent knows this. And they're like, I'm not hungry. And I'm like, what do you, you know, what do you mean you're not hungry? And you realize like, well, of course you're not hungry. You had three bags of fruit snacks. I wasn't paying attention. You had Nutri-Grain bar, <laughs> you know, you had a Capri Sun, you had an apple, you had a Clementine. So their, their dinner was basically a smorgasbord of nonsense. And then I made like chicken fingers at the end of it. Yeah. That's a summer spring type deal though. So I get it. We were, we were very similar tonight. I had um... I just played chauffeur for basketball practice and I actually chose to come home. I'm, I'm in the worst like rut right now, John, because uh, my daughter will have basketball practice like across town and my options are like, it's like 90 minutes. So my options are to like drive home, be home for 40 minutes and go back or just yeah. hang out and kill time. So today I chose to come home, um, chill with the other, other half of the family. We just made hot dogs, bratwurst. Um, I think we did oh, nice. paper bites. It was just like buffet of, of bad stuff, essentially. But that usually is also the part in the podcast, John, where I remember I didn't even have you describe, tell us about your family, and I feel terrible. <laughs> We've officially hit that point. So, I mean, you're a dad, so tell us a little bit about just the family makeup. Yeah, so uh, it's me and my wife. We've uh, been together 10 or 11 years now, and we've been together like 12 years. We've been married uh, almost 11 then uh, my daughter is nine. She turns 10 next month. And my son uh, turned eight in February. And they're, they're awesome, man. We got a red dog we rescued uh, last April. So she just turned a year, uh, Lila. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the crew. Cool. I'm sure they keep you busy. So it seems like your schedule, as, as um, I imagine it, prov- it presents its own challenges and stuff, but are you able to pretty much kind of stay home with them throughout the day? Or like, what does that look like? So I, um, I've been a huge, huge proponent of getting up really early every day to work out. So I have a, I've been lucky enough to have a garage gym, with a, mm-hmm. you know, squat rack and hex bar and weights and all the meathead stuff, kettlebells, things that I need. So, so I get up about five, five fifteen, get a good hour grunting and sweating in there. And then, uh, by the time I finish that, make myself a little smoothie, wake the kids up. And, uh, yeah, they've been in, um, and it's a weird year, but they've actually with Florida, we're here. So they've been in the school, uh, mm-hmm. since like September. Uh, so that's been pretty normal. School's a little early. They get home at like 1.30. And um, yeah, with what I do, a lot of uh, writing, publishing, consulting, speaking, that kind of stuff. I saw a lot of like writing courses and things. So um, I've been able to stay home with them since we've had to, really since uh, last March. Um, well, I lived in, we moved to Florida last summer. So before that, we lived in Dallas for about six and a half years. Uh, when I was there, I went to this publishing office that I worked at. Um, 
but since then I've been, yeah, been able to kind of keep it locked down with them and, uh, you know, do all the same, all the stuff that you're talking about, all the activities they got to do and coach and all those things. I hear that. I hear that. It was nice, man. I know that um, we've talked about it a ton, just how COVID has presented so many just horrible situations and stress and anxiety. But at the same time, I think a, a majority of people probably will look back and hopefully um, find that they maybe got more time with loved ones or at least just repurpose time maybe they wouldn't have had otherwise. So I think things are trending back towards normality. I know they're definitely probably that way in Florida, but ready to open up. I know that. So, uh, oh, I know I wrote something down. So each time, John, I try to find like, um, so I was just trying to learn a little, especially someone like you, I was just trying to learn a little bit on the Google machine and stuff. So um, you, someone shares your name that's quite popular. Do you know who, do you know, I'm, I have a feeling you probably do, but do you know why this gentleman that shares your name is so popular? He is the, the other John Finkel on the internet is the Babe Ruth of Magic the Gathering, <laughs> the greatest Magic the Gathering player of all time. Um, <laughs> he and I, I have a bunch of funny stories. I'll share in your show notes. So I interviewed him actually a long time ago for what I used to make this holiday up. It's funny we're talking today. I used to do this goofy thing called Finkel de Mayo for Cinco de Mayo. Uh, and I used to interview all these famous Finkels of the world. And, and I ran out because there's not that many of, of us, I'll say, because it's just a weird name. Um, but Johnny Magic is his nickname. And uh, uh, he's now a hedge fund guy, but he's, he's a legend. Like I said, Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan, the, the Gretzky, pick your single icon word name for sports. And he's that guy in that game. Uh, but what's funny about this is <laughs> when I was in, we're the exact same age. We're both born the same year. Uh, we're only like three months apart. I think he was born in May. Um, when I was in college and like emails started becoming like a normal thing, I was getting his grandparents somehow got my email uh, as his email. And so I would get like happy birthdays from his grandparents and they wish me happy holidays from his grandparents. And I would always write back like, thank you. I appreciate it. But you know, the way the internet works, like there's someone else that has John Finkel, uh, as an email part. And, um, and they, they, they never fixed it for years. I hope I mean, they may have passed away. I don't know, but for several years I would get emails from them. And then also, and I talked to John about this, like, I know nothing about magic, the gathering at all. I would get so many email requests to do interviews and questions about phasmic mages and all these weird phrases in magic, the gathering. And when I talked to him, he's like, dude, I've had the flip side of that. Like I get asked to be on sports shows and when did I write this? And can I interview this person all the time? So we have, uh, we've lived parallel internet lives, the exact same name, born the exact same year. The Babe Ruth of Magic the Gathering. Yes, that was exactly my interpretation um, when I was on Google. So that's funny. You guys should just make a pact and be like, look, once a year, you can do a <laughs> publication, like just go on and just see how far you can get. It would be much harder for you to do that than him. <laughs> yeah, he's actually a sports fan. Um, he's a really nice guy. And like he, he had, um, he used to be a, basically big, he told me a big like sports gambler actually, because he's got that analytic mind. I guess the Magic the Gathering game Ooh, is about yeah, risk okay. assessment and all that kind of stuff. But he's made millions playing this, the Magic the Gathering. Um, like I said, I think he does have a hedge fund or something now, but it was just really interesting to talk to him because we, we, um, we had a lot in common right up until about 16. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right, let's keep moving. Um, so another question we ask, and I know you're a fitness guy too. If you follow on Twitter and stuff, you'll see. What is your Twitter? John, go ahead and give it out. At John underscore Finkel, F-I-N-K-E-L. Is that the same spelling as Ray Finkel from Ace Ventura? 
Uh, it is the same spelling. No, it's a different spelling as Ray Finkel. Uh, he's F-I-N-K-L-E, I believe. And, and funny enough, not to plug other thing, but one of my other Finkel DeMaio ones was I interviewed uh, Sean Young, who played Ray Finkel in Ace Ventura. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. That was, that's definitely the most famous Finkel to me. That's the only one I can probably think of off the top of my head. But another question, John, we always ask, lets me learn a lot about you very quickly and kind of gives the listeners a quick glimpse. I know you're a fitness guy, but what do you drink more of in your weekly routine, coffee, soda, or alcohol? Oh, man, uh, you're going to – I drink zero soda. I thought I knew I knew you'd say that. I thought you'd have a quick answer otherwise, though. So Very well. I really. I mean, I I, I drink maybe. Uh, I'd say alcohol. I guess, but like it's probably close. I, I don't have. Uh, I don't have too many uh, too many drinks during the week. You drink a, a weekend, amount home. of water, don't you? I drink a ton of water. I'm a ton of water. A ton of green tea. Uh, I like Body Armor. That's my new. That's since I've had that for years. So how much well, – I got to ask you something because, I, I, Tom, this came up with Tom Brady on Twitter recently. I tr- during the week, I have, like, a water thing at work. So it's just kind of, like, more of something to do for me passes the time. I'll try to get in, like, 70-ish ounces of water a day at work. I feel like I'm peeing all day. Tom Brady said he drinks 200 ounces of water, yeah. which I, I call impossible. You settle it, John. How much water do you drink and how much is, like, possible, I guess? Well, I live in Florida. I sweat my okay, ass off okay. nonstop. Like it is humid. It is unbelievable. I work out first thing in the morning. I'm drenched all day. I don't know how many ounces I know that's what fair, I drink fair, out of. Fair. I'm going to say I drink um, between 80 and 100 ounces, maybe, including like the green tea and the body armor drinks and all that kind of stuff. Can we call bullshit though on Tom Brady saying he does? If, he, if Tom Brady drank 200 ounces of water a day, what, does your body regulate it or wouldn't he just be peeing like nonstop all day or drinking water every time you saw him? I am a. Die hard Patriots fan. If Tom Brady says he drinks 200, <laughs> he probably really drinks 300. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's fair. Hey, and you know what? The, the real answer is he probably does do that. And I guess now talking about it out loud, um, you're, I guess your body probably does just kind of start regulating. I don't know. Maybe your, your bladder increases, I guess, if you're doing that. But I will say this. I know that I started doing the water thing, and a lot of people say that, but um, maybe probably a year, year and a half ago, where I, like I said, I really try to get like I have a, I don't know, like a 32 ounce bottle. At least get two or three of those in a day, and man, it really it changes. It's a game changer, like fatigue and everything. I'm a, I'm a big proponent. I'm a big drink water guy. Listen, I worked at, at all the fitness magazines for a long, long time, and and the the joke was always like, you know, in the afternoon people are going for you know soda or sugar drink or coffee or whatever it is, and if most of the time, like for most people anyone listening who's ever heard me say this they've heard me say it ad nauseum but it always works for most people when you're getting tired at two or three o'clock if you just knock back like a 20 ounce ice water with like a banana and an apple you get you're most likely dehydrated and your blood sugar is a little low you're not actually tired from the for needing caffeine and then you have caffeine and the caffeine actually dehydrates you more without giving you any of the hydration that you need or any of this like little you know healthy sugars that you need and you actually make it worse after your initial like 20 minute kind of feeling really good so um, I learned that a long time ago. I, I like coffee. I'll have it, you know, on a Saturday morning, I'll have a cup or something like that, or maybe a Sunday morning if we're driving around and something, you know, we're going to stop at like a Dunkin' I'll grab an iced coffee occasionally, but it's not part of my routine. All right, tough question on the way as we're going to start uh, wrapping up. Kentucky Dad Podcast, John Finkel, Big Blue Drew. John, think deep here. Do you remember the last time you had a good cry? Yeah, dude, I do. We, uh, we lost my, uh, so where my dog, um, my like best friend dog last February 
And uh, it was, you know, we got them before we had kids. It was like the dog that, you know, everybody who has dogs knows. But this is the dog that like we had when we started our family, my wife and I. We got, actually, we got him before we were married. And he was, you know, the greatest dog ever, a lab. And, uh, he, you know, when he passed away last year, it was just like, you know, anyone who's had like, especially the labs, I don't know, I guess anybody with any dog, when, when the labs are such a part of your family. Um, it like just gutted me for a while. And uh, we got a, We rescued another dog in April last year. She's awesome. She just turned to you. And when I was going through the pictures of, uh, we were taking on for her, uh, her the other day, a picture that, you know, how, uh, randomly popped up on my phone uh, from my, my dog who passed away. And it was a picture from years ago where like my son was like, she was lying on bed. And he was just taking a nap like on her, you know, and it, on him, I mean, and uh, just the way it was set up, anyone who's a parent knows there's certain moments where you can like close your eyes and you remember where you were standing and why you took that picture. Just that whole, it all like flashed back to me. And uh, it just hit me. It was one of those things where you just like, it just got me, right? It just, all of a sudden the tears came and it was just because just that moment of just the love that you had from my, for my dog and that he had for, for my son and daughter at the time and how much he meant to them. And, you know, it just, it caught me by surprise. I think because it caught me off guard is why it hit me as hard as it did. I mean, I think about, you know, my dog, I think about it all the time and we have pictures of him up and stuff. Um, but I think because I was looking for something else in my phone and it just popped up, it kind of like sucker punched me into emotion. Yeah. Oh man, pets will do it. I know a lot of people mention, I start, probably introduced that question. I don't know, maybe like halfway through. So I'd say maybe 10, 15 people have done it and props to you for I, no one's definitely just directly took a second and went, yes, I do. They always have to fumble and squirm a little, which I get. So pets definitely bring it out. So hey man, no, no, it's, part of, it's part of life. I'm, I'm, you know. Oh yeah. Everybody, everybody's admitted to a good cry though. They've all done it. I think it, <laughs> it just took them. It just, I guess took them a while and uh, maybe they were a little reluctant to share. So that was good. I had two more things though, I wanted to do. Um, and with your dad jokes. Number one is just very quickly, um, a former guest too, Philip Baker of ESPN 680 would kill me um, knowing that you have the book on the supersonics if I didn't just get your quick um, elevator speech one way or the other because we feel like we are now the most suitable city here in Louisville, Kentucky for NBA expansion. I know that's right in your wheelhouse. So where do you see Louisville um, on the NBA list? Is that ever going to happen? And what would it take, um, relocation or expansion? Well, I think expansion. I think that it's pretty it's it's pretty known that the next team's going to Seattle and the next team after that's going to Vegas. Those are the two. From all the people I interviewed and talked to, it, mm -hmm. Seattle is the fact that Seattle doesn't have a team is it's criminal. Uh, I wrote an entire hundred thousand word book on. I interviewed everybody who could possibly involve the team, all the way from Kevin Durant to Ray Allen and Gary Payton and all those guys, and uh, they should have a team. You know, Isaiah Tom, mm -hmm. who's from Seattle. Huge um, basketball spot, too. It's like people don't really, you know, you're a casual yeah. basketball fan. Like, I know, like Peyton Siva from here, like to, you yeah. know, the Louisville or whatever, but it is a yeah. um, really, really rich basketball culture up there. Yeah. Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas, Nate Robinson, Brandon Roy, Jason Terry, like all these guys are from there. The culture just keeps growing and growing. Uh, Markel Fultz went up there to play college basketball. Washington has, you know, number one pick, four, five, six years. Hell, Kentucky's competing with Washington for recruits, like, simply yeah. every year now. Yeah, it, it's awesome. So so they are like a – they should get a team. They should have a team. They, frankly, never should have lost a team if it weren't for some really duplicitous stuff going uh, that took it over and moved to Oklahoma City. Uh, as far as, you know, Louisville, that I'm sure that's, been, you know, one of the next three or four on the, on the list, especially for – the passion of basketball in Kentucky. Um, you have the facilities there uh, to maybe get something started or at least to build an arena soon. And then, 
you know, you have to just have that fan base. I liken it maybe to like an Indiana, you know, having a team like the Pacers or even really Oklahoma City. I mean, they don't, they're not like a hotbed of basketball activity. I think Louisville is definitely more of a basketball city than Oklahoma City is. Um, so I think it's up there, but I, I think it's definitely third if it is third, but it's, it's, behind, it's behind Vegas and Seattle for sure. Yeah, I agree. But we're, we're, we're trying to close the gap or at least hope maybe that, you know, looking at this for the long run, maybe, you know, 10, 20 years of expansion worked out a couple of times. I know that I'd really like to, um, me and Phil talked about that quite a bit, take our, our grandkids to a game or something. That'd be sick, but we'll have to wait and see. And lastly, I'll say on that is I just love the idea for that for basketball because one player can just change everything. Like if you get an NBA team and it's a LeBron James year or yeah. it's a, you know, whoever year, I just, I just love that about basketball that, um, you well, know, you had an ABA transition. Team. In I think you guys had the, you had the Kentucky Colonels, I think, right? The ABA yeah. team for a while. So, mm-hmm. so it's not, it's not like it's not on the radar. Um, I remember yeah, Dan Art- is like on the, we have, so we have NBA to Lou, which um, is a big movement here. And Phil is part of starting. And then Dan Issel is like a big voice of that. And he kind of does the, okay. you know, the shaking hands, oh, cool. the baby stuff. And um, so I don't know. It's just, it's, it's the politics behind it. And, you know, to be honest, uh, we could probably have an NBA team if it wasn't for Rick Pitino. <laughs> like, or it, it was, it was a, maybe a lot closer than it was going to be. He really, really, um, you know, roadblocked that for a long time. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he did. I think, uh, I think it'll happen, you know, the NBA, you know, who knows? Because I think once they get those two teams in, you know, they've always talked about somehow figuring out like an international version. Yeah, Mexico City, think. I know, is up there too. Yeah, Mexico City. They've tried London. They've tried all these. Third, be when they, you know, when COVID hit, baby, we bounced Mexico City real fast. So we, yeah. <laughs> we at least took that up there. But anyway, that was a crazy sidebar. I just know you're a big NBA guy, and um, I'd love to chat more with you about that. We'll stay in. We'll stay in touch, maybe actually, because you'd be a uh, a valued resource for us. As um, I'm trying to help Phil with some of that stuff too. Sure. Well, man, dad jokes. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it up to you. I have a feeling you're gonna knock it out of the park, but. Appreciate you so much for coming on, and you can uh, slam your dad joke before we wrap it up. You asked me about this earlier, and it's, it's great because I had this joke that I literally came up with uh, yesterday riding my bike to uh, – to I take the kids to a school every day on their bikes. We bike back and forth, and my son is like a diehard, super Spider-Man fan, and he also uh, – he actually appreciates – like most kids don't appreciate a good you know, dad joke or play on word joke, so he appreciated this. I said, uh, we, were, we were biking home, and I said to him, um, what do you call Spider-Man when he's super happy? And he said, what? And I said, smiles, Morales. <laughs> yeah. uh, you yeah. original. <laughs> yeah, I do original dad jokes. That's a good joke. <laughs> nice, that was. I know. We, man, I swear, the, the more dad I become with every passing day, it's just like, I don't know, they just get even funnier. They really do. I am a big fan of doing those kind of jokes. The, the reason why they're funny is, uh, well, when you say the reason why they're funny, they end up not being funny. But the reason why I think they're funny is because the dead pause, like you just had, of like, man, that is so stupid. But also, that's actually really fun. That's basically the, the key of a dad joke is never a laugh. It's basically everybody rolling their eyes and then acknowledging like five seconds later, like, all right, that's kind of clever. Yeah, and my thing King about dad, dad jokes, too, that I've really been kind of embracing since I started this podcast was how they're going to live when we're gone. They didn't – they don't think they're funny now, but your son, your daughter, my son, my daughter, one day when we're gone, whatever pops up that they would have been like, shit, I know what my dad would have said right now. Um, and they'll say it. That's what I think is funny because, like, I'm turning into my dad, so I'm sure, our, you know, our sons will do the same. And it is, it's just a tradition that keeps getting carried on. Um, my dad jokes up. I've definitely plagiarized every week. So I'll do mine uh, pretty simple. 
So my wife, my wife asked me if I could clear the kitchen table, got a running start, didn't make it. Nice. That's, it. That's mine. That's good. See, I, I, they always work. I, I had one the other day. Uh, I put it on Twitter, actually. It was, I think it might have been last night I was making dinner. And I was doing his homework, and he asked me a question. And uh, I didn't answer right away. And he's like, what are you doing? What's wrong? And I was like, hey, I'm marinating while I'm marinating. <laughs> I'm, I, don't, I was almost said I'm glad you said that. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. But really, too, dad jokes, if nothing else, they make me think. It's really just how complicated the English language is. And yeah. just how I cannot even imagine. I've heard that, you know, how hard it is to learn English. Because we do. We have one word means five, six, seven different things in context. Yeah, it's hard and plays on words and they have to have references to stuff. Like we, uh, we drive by on, the, on our bike ride to, to school, we ride by this little farm. It's a really tiny, it's like on like a half an acre, but they have a couple of cows, they have three cows, a couple of donkeys, some other stuff. And we drive by it every single day. And there's three cows, they always stand together, right? And every morning I'll say, cow you doing? And my son thinks it's the funniest damn thing in the world. And he says it all the time. My daughter, who's you know, obviously a little older, just hates it. Like she bikes so fast because she hates hearing <laughs> how you doing. <laughs> and then my son will drive by the next day and be like, we're just moving along. Yeah. And these are all terrible jokes. There's nothing to laugh at. But the more you, you beat it into the ground, the funnier they get. Dude, the, that's just such low-hanging fruit to bike into school with like donkeys and cows. <laughs> no, it's so good. The other day, you know, one of the times I was biking by, I was like, oh, it's the three amigos. And my son doesn't even know what the three amigos are, but he's like, that's funny. Like, it's always great. It's, it's uh, the, the, the dad jokes, if you nail them, like I said, they're not laughs. It, it's, it's a bit, it's grudging appreciation. Yeah, man, it is. It's, it's earning our stripes and just kind of what we do with the experience, but John Finkel, Dad Podcast tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking some time out. Middle of the week, hump day. Um, you were awesome, man. I knew you were going to be great. Um, a lot of good insight. And, man, really, if, if nothing else, I'd love to invite you back on the other, on um, the Cats by 90 podcast we do because you're such a, a bright basketball mind, too, not just um, an awesome dad. So thanks for coming on and, and sharing that stories with us, and we will definitely link back up. Yeah, thanks for having me. Everybody follow, uh, follow me on Twitter, like you said, at, at John underscore Finkel. And listen, the the – Book comes out really, really soon. Yeah. Pre-orders are huge. Go out, buy 96. It's got your Wildcats in there, but also literally every awesome thing that happened in 1996. So I'd appreciate it. Buy it. If you do buy it, like I was telling you, um, send me on Twitter. I've been doing giveaways. I bought these 96 T-shirts. I got some other cool baseball cards and basketball cards to give away from players from 96. So uh, hit me with the, uh, with the screenshot. I will uh, give away some gifts. Heck yeah. Where's the best place to get your book, John? Just Amazon or something? Uh, Amazon. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Come uh, starting on May 11th, it's going to be literally like we have end caps at all Barnes and Noble, all these big stores out there. But honestly, most people these days just seem to go to Amazon um, and or you know, barnesandnoble.com. But most people just go to Amazon, pick it up. And uh, like I said, hit me with a uh, picture of you holding the book once you get it and uh, we'll get you some cool stuff. We'll do that. And I'm also going to um, make sure to link all that stuff. Well. So check out a seeablue.com. I'll put up a little write-up and post a podcast and probably in the next couple of days or maybe even save it for a book launch date. So we'll just copy a link in there and you can, you can get his book because all basketball fans will really like it. And I strongly encourage you to check out his other books too because, again, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably some stuff that, that you would be interested in too. So, John, you're the man. Appreciate everybody listening. And we will talk next time on the Kentucky Dad Podcast.